Amen. You may be, be seated, and I know the youth group, 6th through 12th, is going to be uh, departing as they're up. What an awesome, awesome group. Pray God just has his way in their midst this morning. Matt and Judy lead them. This morning, we're, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be changing. The last two, uh, last two weeks, we've been in the Old Testament. This week, we're going to be in the New Testament. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, apps, uh, we also have it on the PowerPoint as well. We'll be in Matthew chapter 11, one of the four Gospels, of course. And uh, we'll be there in just a few minutes as uh, we progress through what God has uh, laid in my heart this morning. And then this morning, with that being said, we're going to continue with uh, part two of our series, what is, what is Love? That's why uh, if you're first time here today and you were wondering why we have love on there, it's because we're in a series called What is Love? What is Love? Last week we showed a video and I said if we went around the room, many of you, we would all have a, probably many different, um, many different ideas of what love is. And it, was, it was a good video to remind us of how, what we all believe. Now, this series is designed to help us to be imitators of Jesus by living a life based on, on action, love in action, and not feelings, love in feelings, right? Okay, being imitators of Jesus based on action, not feelings, to help shape us as a church and individually so we can be all all that we are called to be in our community. As we saw last week, as we saw last week, uh, love is it's not based on our feelings. As we, throw, as we saw through uh, different passages found in our Bibles, love is based on, on our actions. Our actions speak louder than our feelings. Okay, our actions speak louder than our feelings. We should never let our feelings overpower our actions when it comes to love. We will not always have a warm, fuzzy feeling towards someone. Okay? We're not always going to have that. I talked about that last week. Well, I don't have the same uh, warm, fuzzy feeling when I'm around you, so I must not be in love with you anymore. That's not what we base our love. Love is, is based on, on our actions. Not our feelings towards someone. We, we should always be imitators of Jesus and his love for us. Jesus who taught us to turn the other cheek. Pray for those who persecute you. Go the extra mile. Give a cup of water in Jesus' name. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It doesn't say for God had such warm feelings for the world that he decided to show up one day. No, God so loved the world that he gave, sacrificially he gave, his one and only son. Love in, in action. Love in action is about uh, giving of, our, of ourselves. Imitators of Jesus. Now, all this talk about love and Love on the wall, and we, and we all know what's going to happen in February. Let me, let me speak to the men right now. <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming. I need to put a big mirror in front of my face. <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming. 
If you wait too long, guys, there won't be any good cards left. You'll have to get the last one they have, and hopefully it works out for you. But all this talk about love, it reminds me, it reminds me of a television show I used to watch uh, when I was a kid, when I was much, much younger. Here's the theme for it. you were tapping your toes. Ah. The love boat. How many of you, I know they have a new thing, the love boat, the new wave. I haven't seen that, but the love boat. How many of you watched that? Now you realize that was, I believe it started in 77 or 78. It ran through uh, 86. Now I used to watch that. It was on every Saturday night. How many of you used to watch it every Saturday night? And what show was right after it? Fancy Island. The plane, the plane, right? I shared, I didn't share with Cindy how I'm, how I'm going to, Lord willing, tie this into our message <laughs> this week, but she heard the video playing a few times as I was praying and meditating and putting things together, and she said, thanks for putting that song in my head all week. Now this song, this theme song, this song, is a, it's a great reminder. It's, a, it's just a great reminder of what love is in terms of imitating the love of Jesus, okay? In terms of that. Love in action, putting others first is exciting and new as we become born-again disciples of Jesus. When you become a born-again disciple of Jesus, this whole concept of what love is really changes in our lives, and I really truly believe as I reflect back on my own life as being a follower of Jesus now for many, many years, I can see how it really is exciting and new when you first become a born-again disciple. The whole concept of what Jesus says love is, love in action, versus what the world says. It is. It's exciting and new. It's life's sweetest reward as you let the love of Jesus flow from your life, and it comes floating back to you. <laughs> right? If you imitating Jesus, if you let the love of Jesus flow from your life, it's life's sweetest reward. I believe that to be true. Love in action promises something for everyone. Can I get a big amen? amen. 
Love in action promises something for everyone. It's what the world needs more of, isn't it? Well, Lord, I just pause right now and lift our time up to you. May, may we be more than just hearers of your word today. May we be doers. God, I pray you challenge each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would touch my voice. Lord, I pray you would sustain it. I pray you would uh, keep this cough. Lord, keep me from coughing, Lord. I pray you just use my, my words, Lord, that you would just speak right through me, through your people, Lord. Challenge each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you recall from last week, we looked in, we were in the Old Testament, we looked at Numbers chapter 35. In it, uh, it, it, was, it was a chapter, in this chapter we saw how a city of refuge was to be, a, was to be a, a few things. First of all, it was to be a prepared place, a place of protection, a non-judgment place, and a place of hope and change for the person fleeing the avenger of blood. We saw how they were getting ready to go in the promised land, and the Lord told Joshua to prepare these six cities throughout the land so somebody that uh, had murdered somebody accidentally could flee there from the avenger of blood until they could sort everything out. Okay, we talked about that, and, and in that, we, we took a closer look at the Hebrew word refuge, and it's, this word is pronounced in the Hebrew kasah, hasah, and and we looked at the deeper meaning. It means this. It means to seek refuge. We get that. It means to flee for protection. But it also means to put trust in, to confide in, and to hope in. So this person fleeing for their life until things can be sorted out, they're going to a city of refuge, a, a hasah. They're going there um, putting their hope and trust in the people there to protect them as they work through this process. Kind of sounds like what the church should be today, but we won't dive into that. We did last week, right? A place of, uh, for trust and place for people to confide and to hope in. A place of refuge. The vision God has given me for the Bridge Church is this. We are to be a, a safe place a place of refuge, a casa, a place for people to come and trust in, confide in, and to have hope. A place where they, where they see love in action as we imitate the love of Jesus as we let it flow. That's what I believe we're called to be, is the church. Now last week we focused more on being a, a prepared place how we need to be prepared personally and as a church. For the next few weeks, we're going to focus more on being a place of protection. Okay, a place of protection, a non-judgmental place. Are you, are you ready to go in deep with me on this? I pray you're challenged. This morning, the title of my message, of our message in, in our series is this, A Place for Recovery. A Place for Recovery. Now, I know there's a lot of negative thoughts and there's a lot of uh, different opinions when you use the word recovery, especially in the church. I've been uh, part of a church now. I've been part of this church for 13 years, part of other churches. I've been in ministry now for well over 20 years. And I know I've heard different things. 
When you say that word recovery, I've heard people say different things in the church. Probably the most common thing that I've heard is, hey, if you are, if you are truly a born-again believer, then you need to just get over it. Well, thanks for your help. Right? Recovery, you're born-again, spirit-filled believer. You just need to get over it. I've heard that said. Does that sound like a place of refuge? Does that sound like a safe place? This word recovery, it, it means a lot of different things to many different people. Some of you may be saying to yourself right now, recover from what? Well, I'm going to, Lord willing, uh, I'm going to do my best to answer that question if that's you this morning. Do my best to answer that. So let's, let's dive into that for a few minutes. First of all, we, as a body of Christ, should not be afraid to use the word recovery, okay? Everybody say recovery. recovery. It didn't hurt, did it? We should not be afraid to uh, use that word recovery. You see, here's the deal. You may agree or disagree with me on this, but here's the deal. Like it or not, Everyone in this place this morning as a born-again disciple of Jesus, if you're not, you still are too, but you are in this place this morning, you are in recovery. You're in recovery. You see, ever since the fall of man, uh, the fall of man, of, uh, of uh, what, what are those two people's names, Adam and Eve? Ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, we have been trying to recover the image of God, His holiness. You see, God created it in His image. He created us. He put them in the garden. There was no sin, and they chose to sin. And ever since then, we, um, we have been split. We have been losing the image of God because we have more and more sin in the world and in our lives. So as a born-again disciple of Jesus, you are, you are confessing that you are trying to recover the image of God in your life. You're a new creature in Christ, right? It's called sanctification. You're being transformed to be like Jesus. That sounds like recovery to me, people. There it is. Will you ever arrive in this life? No, you won't. That's why you're you continually a work in progress. You're in recovery. You see, that is what living for God is all about, being transformed daily to be like Him. Ephesians chapter 4, I know this to be true. This, here's a scripture that really, really draws this whole concept out that I just shared with you. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self before you became a born-again disciple which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, here it is, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Back to the image of God, created to be like God. You're in recovery. Second, in regards to recovery, we should not be afraid to admit we might need some, some form of help as we deal with the real issues in our lives, all right? Uh, there's certain circumstances, consequences, certain things in our life that require some of us uh, maybe to get further help. And we shouldn't be afraid 
to admit that we may need more help in this recovery process. It's called confessing our sins. It's called various different things. And if we, I want you to look at this. Proverbs 27, 17. I don't think I have this scripture for you, but this is why we, we need to be ready and not afraid to admit we might need some help. In 27, 17 of Proverbs, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You see, this simple, this simple, simple statement is a calling for us all as born-again disciples to understand that to become all that God wants us to be for His will and His purposes, we need each other. We are not called to do life alone. Sometimes we hit a wall, right? We hit a wall, and we can't get through it. We can't get over it. We need each other. We need to be able to have a safe place, a kasah, a place of refuge, a place where we can come, where we know we can confide in, we could, we could have hope in, and we can really share with people what's going on in our life so we can further our recovery. Are you still with me? Third, in regard to recovery, we should not be afraid of or judge people who are seeking help. All right, we shouldn't be afraid of those people that maybe need a little bit more help than you do at the time or judge them for it, right? Oh, you're a Christian, get over it. Stop saying that, <laughs> right? We don't need to say that. Uh, this is one of our sayings here at the Bridge Church. The Bridge Church is a come-as-you-are church. The Bridge Church is a come-as-you-are church. And I, I used to say this, and my wife scolded me and told me not to say it anymore, but the very church is a come-as-you-are church. Just come wearing something. <laughs> she never scolded me. That's our one requirement. Amen? The Bridge Church is a come-as-you-are church. And we're going to talk more on that as we dive into our main text. I want you to keep all that in mind, what I just shared with you about the, the opinions and attitudes of recovery and how we all are based where we are and how it's all okay. I want you to keep all that in mind this morning as we look at what Jesus has to say about recovery. So we can be imitators of his love in action, okay? So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, I'm going to read two different translations for you this morning. The first one is the NIV, and this is Jesus speaking. Many of you are very familiar with these verses. It says, Come to me, all you, excuse me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, I want you to look at Matthew 11, verse 28 and 30 in the Message Bible. Eugene Peterson, the, the more uh, modern-day English, more of the way that you and I would, would speak, perhaps. Listen to how he translates this in this Bible, in, in the Message Bible. It says in verse 28, it says, Are you tired, <laughs> worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I just love that. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that just really speak to your soul, your heart? I just love the way Eugene Peterson writes these words of Jesus in this passage, especially where he says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Do you see? Do you understand what Jesus is telling his followers, telling his church? It's not about getting cleaned up first and then coming to Jesus and the church. Can you imagine if that's the process that took place? Nobody would be here this morning, including me, right? If it was all about that, if it was all about, you know, getting cleaned up first, there would be nobody here. It's about coming to him as you are and allowing him to recover your life so you can live freely to be filled and have the abundant life that Jesus promises. Can I get a big amen? amen. And I'll even go as far as to say this, come aboard, we're expecting you. <laughs> so let's focus this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. I knew it was going to happen. I could feel it. <clears throat> so let's focus this morning on recovery and what that really means. How does the Bridge Church define that word and create a place for people to recover from the issues in their lives in a safe place where love is in action? How do we do that? First of all, now please understand, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about recovery in the context uh, uh, of this. I, I understand there's different aspects that take place, and I'll talk a little bit about that as we go. But um, the first thing that we need to do, if we're going to be this place, uh, first of all, love and action, it's going to require each and every one of us, please hear me, it's going to require each and every one of us to understand and allow people to recover from hurts. Okay? It requires all of us to understand and allow people to recover from hurts. We don't say things like, hey, you're a born-again disciple of Jesus. Get over it. We don't say that. First of all, when you're going through the hurts of life, how many of you would appreciate it if I said that to you? Okay, so that's, we got to recognize and allow people to deal with their hurts. Hurts, just to name a few, like, like rejection. Like failure, like physical and verbal abuse, unfair comparison, just like I said, just to name a few of many hurts that are all out there, right? See, here's what happens. Our, our hurts can be, they can be masked. They can be buried, they can be buried in our own mind, neatly tucked away somewhere so we don't have to deal with it because of the pain we feel. I don't want to deal with it. It hurts. I'm going, to, I'm going to squash it. I'm going to push it down. You see, here's what I truly, truly believe. Hurts can lead to rotten roots in our life. 
Okay? Hurts can lead to rotten roots in our lives. Now, I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning and share a little bit about my life. Some of you may have heard small parts of this uh, throughout the years, but I don't know how transparent I've really been. I'm, I'm, I feel like the Lord is really want me to be transparent with all of you this morning about my own personal life, in my own, in my own life of how I buried a hurt. I buried a hurt that I didn't even know was there. Okay, I didn't, even, I didn't even realize it was there, and it was a root that really shaped me in my life, and I didn't even know it was there until somebody helped me with that, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. You see, as, as a, a six-month-old child, my father passed away. Okay, and I know many of you can share similar stories, but he, he passed away, and because he, he passed away, I felt that God must be, uh, you know, if, if, if God is, is like that, that could take a dad away from a six-month-old, you know, as I grew older, I obviously didn't think that when I was six months old. I may have, I don't know. But if God is like that, he must just be a very mean God, and he must be a God uh, that, that is just ready to hit me with the lightning bolts at any time. And, and I don't want no part of that. And I also, I was angry at my real father for leaving me when I was six months. As I grew. Never talked about it ever. In fact, over time, I just suppressed it. I buried it. And it was a root that caused a lot of pain in my life that I didn't really know or understand was there. And see, what happens, what happens if, if we don't deal with those roots, what happens if we don't deal with those hurts in our lives, we will have these hang-ups start to develop. These hang-ups. Hang-ups like being bitter or, or having just this really deep resentment or unforgiveness. You, you distrust, distrust people, insecurity, worry, fear, depression, etc. Before I uh, dealt with this, even when, when I became a born-again disciple of Jesus, nobody said to me, luckily, hey, just get over it. I was a born-again disciple of Jesus, and I had this hurt. But I, I was, man, I was a worry wart. I worried about some of the craziest things. I, I was depressed. I had these insecurities uh, that were there, and I didn't really understand why they were part of my life. You see, it's, it's hang-ups like these that can cause us to become physically ill as well. You see, hang-ups, I believe this with all my heart as well, hang-ups in our life, they water the, wa the, the rotten roots in our lives. They water it. Cause us, cause us to be physically ill. I want you to look at uh, three verses. Proverbs 14.30 reads this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Proverbs 15.13, a, ha uh, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. And if you haven't dealt with hurt, in your life, for whatever reason, if you know it's there or not, you're not cheerful most of the time. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. It causes the hang-ups. 
It's hard to have a cheerful heart when you're not dealing with, with hang-ups. Hang-ups water the rotten roots in our lives. Hang-ups can keep us from having healthy relationship with, God's, with God and others. Hang-ups can keep us from having healthy relationships. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 15. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, Bear with each other, bear with each other, and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of the body you were called to peace. And be thankful, uh, and be thankful. And this, so this, to bear with each other in this text, to bear with each other, it simply means to put up with. Right? To put up with. To bear with each other, to put up with, to take, it's able to put up with someone uh, means you have to have a relationship with them. Now once again, the example in my life, because of my, my hang-ups such as unforgiveness, insecurity, fear, depression, and my view of God is this judgmental lightning bolt God. He's just waiting to punish me. He's already punished me because he took my real dad. He's already punished me because of all these, these hang-ups, all these thoughts, or this hurt causes all these hang-ups in my life. Because of that, I had very, very shallow relationships uh, with my friends and family. Because it was easier because of the hurt that I didn't even know was there. Because of this hurt, I, I just want this barrier. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I could trust anybody. That's why I believe in the first few years of our marriage that uh, we had problems because of me and my undealt with hurt. My fault, not yours. God is good. 30 years. Look what the Lord has done. Very low self-esteem. You see, I learned, because I had very low self-esteem, I learned to mask, to mask it. I watered the, the rotten root in my life. And, and the, the incredible thing was, is I really didn't even know it was there. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. The power of God. Uh, who he will set you free. We'll get to that. Now, because of because of hurts and hang-ups, because of the hurts, my hurts developed into these hang-ups. If, if they're not dealt with, unhealthy habits might begin to take place in your life. Now, when I talk about unhealthy habits, addictions, all those things, I understand it always does not apply to this principle I'm talking about. I believe it has a big part with some things that people do go through, but I understand there's other ideas and concepts out there. So don't just say, you know, this isn't just one big thing. I, I get that. But in terms of what I'm talking about today, I believe it's a huge part. Unhealthy habits, they, they fertilize the rotten roots in our lives. They just help keep manifesting the hang-ups because of the hurt. And then we develop these unhealthy habits. 
You see, unhealthy habits can take over our life and are usually taking place, if we admit it or not, because of self-medication. Again, I'm not saying this applies to every situation, but for for what we're talking about today, it does. We learn to self-medicate. What can we... What can we do to lessen the pain we feel, the hurt we have? I'm already bitter and angry and have unforgiveness. I don't know how to deal with it. So we develop this uh, unhealthy habits and we begin to self-medicate if we understand it or not. Yes, it might be drugs and alcohol. But, but there are many other things we can do to lessen pain or not deal with issues, the root of the problem, the hurt in our lives. Things like eating disorders, shopping sprees, complacency, pornography, and video games, etc. I'm not against video games, but in excessive, unhealthy habits begin because I don't want to deal with the reality of life, so I'm going to lose myself in these games. I've seen it happen to people. It becomes unhealthy. They don't have healthy relationships with people because they, they get lost. They want to be more in the games. In a sense, what is taking place is we are giving into temptation the desire to not deal with it or the desire to self-medicate the easy way out if we know we have a hurt or not. Now, once again, the example in my own life. You see, I, I learned to self-medicate. I learned to self-medicate. I, I, hurt, I had a hurt that I, I didn't even know I had. I mainly used alcohol. I used other things to self-medicate the hurt that I had that I didn't really understand I had. It wasn't until, uh, it was, it's been over 20 years now that I was able to go to a ministry in Ohio. I uh, went with my, other pa- with my pastor, and he was there, and I was, we were meeting separately. We were there for three days, and I took this this test, many of you probably heard of it, it's called the Minnesota test. It takes quite a while, like a good half a day, three quarters of a day. And it's just like, you're like, oh. I took it, and then I met with a counselor, a Christian counselor. And she opened up my head and climbed in. It was scary. She began to ask me questions, began to explore. You know, I believe... The Spirit of God was very present in this, in this meeting. And she got to a place. I almost tear up thinking about it. She got to this place, and she brought up the death of my father. And something happened at that moment. I began to weep uncontrollably in a way I've never cried since or before. My body was shuddering. I, 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 was, I mean, I was, it was, it was scary. I, I remember even looking at her going, what is wrong? What is what's happening? Because I, I just, it was, it was just pouring out of me. It was a hurt that was so deep. I had suppressed it for so long. She finally answered me. She said, you are, you never grieved the loss of your father. And because of that, over the years, and my ideas and my hang-ups, I suppressed it all, didn't think about it, but it was a root that grew deep. Praise God for the power of his Holy Spirit. Because from that day forward, I was set free. 
My, my life changed. I had a whole new perspective. It was just like, you know, I know why I feel like I feel it. And God just began to work on those hang-ups. And the whole self-medication, I was like, I, I don't need this stuff anymore. That's the power of God, you guys. That's what God does when, we, when we're not afraid to mention recovery, when we're not afraid to say, hey, I'm in recovery, when we're not a say that, afraid to say, I may have a root, or I, I don't know what it is, or I do know what it is, and say, Lord, dig it up. Because he'll set you free. That's what he does. You see, it's easier to get lost in something to run from and not deal with it. That's why we do what we do, because we're human. God wants us to deal. He wants us to have a life where we're free. So, how does the Bridge Church become a safe place and help people deal with the hurts, hang-ups, and habits? First and foremost, out of the whole process, first and foremost, we must point them down the path we are on. The journey we have chosen when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. It, I, I truly believe it may happen in certain ways without God, but I truly believe if you're going to be set free, it's Jesus who will set you free. You have to come to that place where you say, I'm sorry for the things I've done. Thank you for taking my sin to the cross. Now please come into my life. That's where it starts, church. That's where it starts. Then the Holy Spirit fills you. And then the whole process of recovery, God begins through the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to show you roots in your life, begins to show you what you can do to be healed, to be set free from it. So it begins there. Come aboard. We're expecting you. Second. We as the church provide a setting where people feel safe to come and share a setting for support groups that happen every Monday and Tuesday night here at the church. We have, we have a, what we call our, uh, secular support groups on Monday night and we have biblically based support group on Tuesday night. It's a place where people can come and share and hopefully it feels like a safe place, a place where they're not going to be judged, a place where God can do the work, where they can connect with another person, where they could maybe go out and have coffee with, talk with, confide in, confess one with another and pray for one another, right? Confess, say, hey, I have a root that goes deep. Will you help me dig that sucker up and cut it off? by the power of God and through your counsel. Come aboard. We're expecting you. Come aboard. We're expecting you. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Third, we put love into action and bear with each other as we all deal with the stuff of life. Anybody have no stuff in their life? If that's you, meet me here Tuesday morning. I'm going to give you some stuff. <laughs> I'm going to take off the backpacks that I have to carry and hand it to you and let you carry it, right? Because we all have them. We all have the backpack. We have stuff in life. It's called life. It rains on the just and the unjust. Jesus said in this life you will have tribulation, right? So it's here. 
You see, we, we, we need to provide a place of protection, much like a city of refuge, so people can feel safe as they journey on the road of recovery, recovering the image of God in their own lives and recovering from any hurts, habits, and hang-ups uh, that happen that we may have picked up along the way. Come aboard. I'm expecting you. So I'm going to make this statement that I started with in the beginning as we begin to close. Once again, what is love? <laughs> love is based on our actions. Our actions speak louder than our feelings. We will not always have a warm, fuzzy feeling towards someone, but we should always be imitators of Jesus, his love in action. You see, little Helen, little Helen understands what love in action means. You see, her father took her, Helen, this little eight-year-old uh, girl, and her brother Brandon, who was five years old, to the Cloverleaf Mall to do a little shopping. As they drove up into the mall, they spotted a big sign that said, Petting Zoo. These kids, this eight-year-old girl and a five-year-old, her brother, they jumped up in a rush and they asked, Daddy, Daddy, can we go? Please, please, can, can we go to the petting zoo? And the father, he's excited. He said, yeah, sure, I'm going to get the kids in the petting zoo while I go shopping. So, so he, he gave them both a quarter. This is obviously a long time ago. He gave them, he gave them both a, a quarter as he walked into Sears. Like I said, it was a long time ago. As he walked into Sears, they bolted away, and he felt like he had all the time in the world to go into the hardware part and look for his, of Sears and look for his new saw. Now, the petting zoo, it consists of a portable fence built in the mall with about six inches of sawdust and a hundred little furry baby animals of all kinds scurrying around. The kids, they, they pay their money, and they stay in this enclosure with the squirmy little critters while their moms and dads go shopping. Amen. Why the grandparents go shopping. <coughs> a few minutes later, the father, he turned around and he saw Helen, his little eight-year-old daughter, walking along behind him. He was shocked to see that she preferred a hardware department to the petting zoo. <coughs> Recognizing his error, he bent down and he asked, he asked his little daughter, he asked her what was wrong. She looked up at him with her giant brown eyes that would melt anybody's heart and said sadly, well, well, Daddy, it cost 50 cents. So I gave Brandon, her little brother, my quarter. Then she said the most beautiful thing her father had ever heard up to this point. She repeated the family motto. And the family motto is, love is action. She had given Brandon, her little brother, her quarter, although no one loves these cuddly, furry little creatures more than Helen. She had watched her mom and dad say, do and say, love is action throughout her young life. She had heard and seen love is action, and now she had incorporated it into her little lifestyle. It had become part of become part of her, of who she was. 
So what do you think the father did? Not what you think. As soon as the, as soon as the father had finished his errands, he took little Helen, he took his eight-year-old daughter back to the, to the petting zoo. They stood by the fence and they watched Brandon go crazy petting and feeding all the animals. Helen stood with her hands and chin resting on the fence as she watched Brandon, her brother. Her father had, understand, her father had 50 cents burning a hole in his pocket. He, he had the money, but he never offered it to Helen, and she never asked for it. Because Helen, because she knew the whole family motto. It's not love is action. It's love is sacrificial action. Love is sacrificial action. Love always pays a price. Love always costs something. Love is expensive. When you love, benefits accumulate to another's account. Love is for you, not for me. Love gives, it doesn't grab. Helen gave her quarter to Brandon and wanted to follow through with her lesson. She knew she had to taste the sacrifice. She wanted to experience the total family motto. Love is sacrificial action. Good job, Helen. Good job, Helen. Would you please stand with me? Please understand. Love is you and I sacrificing what we think church should look like. Do you hear me? Love is you and I sacrificing of what we think church should look like. It's about you and I not coming up with those sayings with people who say, oh, you're a born-again disciple. You need to just get over it. It's about knowing that all of us are messy, knowing that all of us may have hurts, knowing that all of us are in recovery and allowing us a place to come and being part of the process to help people through the hurts. See, in my heart, in my mind, that is what church is, you guys. Church is, we're going to talk about these altars in the next few weeks and how these altars are a messy place. It's where we meet with God, where we lay it all down and say, God, deal with it. Holy Spirit, cause me to weep unconditionally. Draw it out of me. Make me healthy and whole. Love is you and I sacrificing what we think church should look like and allowing a place for everyone to recover, including yourself. Come aboard. We're expecting you. Everybody say that with me. Come aboard. We're expecting you. I hope you mean those words sincerely. Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time this morning. I sincerely hope and pray that every one of us is challenged with this whole idea of love in action is about allowing people to deal, to recover, and deal 
with hurts, habits, and hangups, Lord. If it's, if it's us, whatever that looks like, God, that we would just be a church that follows after the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. We would be a city of refuge. We would be a safe place. That you would use each and every one of us, use our circumstances to reach somebody, to help somebody. Help us to be mindful, to love on people. Lord, I thank you for this time this morning, and I pray in Jesus' name that each one of us would really meditate on what it means to us as we're in recovery and how we need to be a place of recovery, what our part is. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them not to turn on the house lights this morning. Um, I want to invite you. If you want to come down for prayer, we're going to have our prayer partners. Cindy and I will be here as well. We want to pray for you this morning. If you feel like the Lord just wants you to come down and you don't even have to tell us what the hurt or the habit or the hang-up is, but you want prayer, come down this morning for prayer. We're just going to leave it like this. Get a cup of coffee. Visit with one another.